Hello and welcome to another episode of the Born Again Club pod with myself, Troy Miller. Now, um, today we will carry on with our part two um, follow on with the Book of Mark um, that we didn't quite get finished in the last episode. Before I get started today, though, I just wanted to touch on um, on some things because in this podcast, I want to make sure that I'm keeping it real all the time um, and that, you know, I'm being as genuine as I can um, as a Christian, as a person, um, and as a person that is putting content out there um, for the world to hear. Now, as a born-again Christian, um, we are going to come across some trials. Um, now, <clears throat> as as many people in the world um, would would be able to relate to this, I, I myself struggle with um, some mental demons. Um, and, and lately, you know, I haven't been feeling 100% um, myself. And, you know, looking from a from a Christian's perspective, um, you know, as I press further into Jesus, um, I talk more to God. Um, I feel like um, Satan is really trying to drive a wedge in between that relationship, um, and and he's attacking me. Um, he's attacking me mentally. Um, so you know, I've been praying um, for God to to be able to send down angels and um, fight away those demons um, that keep on trying to come down and and mess with me. But um, from from my uh, sort of professional point of view, um, working sort of like in a community service setting, mental health sort of setting, um, I know that mental health issues are, you know, are real. Um but I'd like to, to press into God for my concerns um, and be thankful that I've, I've got the, the privilege to have these concerns. Um, and, and as I always end my podcast with um, it, like suggesting to, to the listeners to lift all your issues up to God, um, so I'm going to do the same right here. I lift all my issues up to God and I place them at his feet because they don't belong to me here. Um, and I just keep on on praying um, for God's provision um, in my life. And um, I, I know that it won't be long before um, things turn around for me. Um, there's just a couple of uh, Bible verses that I'd like to touch on um, around depression. Um and the first one comes from um, Psalms 34:17, and it says, "The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles." So basically, you know, we just need to pray to God, um, cry out, and just say, "Hey, we need we need some help," um, and then God will hear our cries, and He will deliver us from all our troubles. Um, for uh, so another verse from Isaiah 30, uh, 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Um, 
So I think that's just a couple of good verses there just to remind us um, that God is there for us and he is walking beside us. And, you know, although we may have our, our battles going on um, in our own minds, whether that just be, you know, from the unbalanced chemicals in our brains or whether it is a spiritual um, attack from Satan, um, you know, we just have to remember that God's there and he's looking after us. Um, for it's said in First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 12-13, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Um, now, you wouldn't believe it if I told you that I had recorded the whole podcast, but we had a glitch uh, in the computer that I use. So um, I'm going to have to do it all again, but that's okay. We got the first half or the first five minutes of the pod um, recorded, but I'm going to have to go through everything that I've already recorded again, which isn't a bad thing because um, it gives me an opportunity to correct some areas where I may have not um, done so well. Anyway, I'm going to start the podcast off with a um, a prayer, as I usually do. Um, so, yeah, if you would all bow your heads with me while I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I come before you, O Lord, to seek your presence and guidance. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of life and for your abundant blessing in my life. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy that are renewed each day. Help me to recognize and appreciate the blessings you bestow upon me. Lord Jesus, I humbly come before you, acknowledging my shortcomings and sins. I ask for your forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or actions that have fallen short of your perfect standard. Wash me clean and create in me a pure heart. Holy Spirit, I ask for your wisdom and guidance as I navigate through this day. Illuminate my path and help me discern your will. Give me the strength and the courage to follow your com uh, commands and walk in obedience to your word. Dear Lord, I am grateful for the gift of salvation through your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your unconditional love the hope that is found in you. Help me to live a life that reflects your love and grace to others. Father, I lift up to you the needs and concerns of those around me. Please be with my family, friends, and loved ones. Provide comfort to the sick, strength to the weary, and peace to the troubled. May your healing touch be upon them. Lord, as I go forth into this day, I ask for your continued presence and protection. Guide my steps, guard my heart, and fill me with your peace. May everything I do bring honour and glory to your name. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, so from last um, last week's episode, we were in the Book of Mark. So we'll finish off um, part two of the Book of Mark this week. Just to reflect on last week week's episode, we spoke a little bit about um, some of Jesus' Uh, healing and some of the miracles that um, that he was able to do um, when he when he lived on earth 
Today we're going to talk about The Last Supper, the betrayal, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. Um, so now I'm going to have to go back a couple of verses in the Bible. Um, because I obviously have already done this, but because I've had to restart again, um, we will... Yeah, just so. Right, here we go. I will start off with the uh, the part where Judas agrees to betray Jesus, which is in chapter 14, verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus. Uh, sorry, betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray to betray Jesus. Okay, the Last Supper. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with the instructions, As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, one of each one asked in turn, Am I the one? Jesus replied, It is one of you twelve who is eating from the bowl with me, for the Son of Man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible will it be for the one who betrays him? It would be far better for the man if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. So for uh, new Christians um, and Christians returning to the faith, when you go to church, most churches will have a um, communion where... Um, a member of the church will get up, uh, whether it be a pastor or a member of the congregation, they'll read some scriptures from the Bible, say a prayer, and then um, we'll break bread and drink the wine or juice. Um, and that's yeah, that's communion. And um, that so that's where that started, and that's where that comes from. The next part we're going to focus on is where Jesus predicts um, Peter's denial. On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me, for the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. 
This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you ever knew me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. And then we'll learn later on um, about Jesus's prophesying and um, his ability to be able to um, see what's going to happen in the future. Which is why we should put faith in him um, for our own lives because he knows the future and he knows the way. And so if we follow him, um, he'll take us down the path of where we need to go. Um, Jesus prays in the Gethsemane. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It's pretty powerful. Um, he knows what's coming. He knows it's going to be horrible. Um, and he's saying, Father, please take this away from me. But he knows that it's the will of God and it has to be done. So he's willing to do it um, for you and me uh, to save us from our sins. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Next part talks about Jesus being betrayed and arrested. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men, armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him a kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me at the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scripture says about me. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt when the mob tried to grab him he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked they took jesus to the high priest's home where they were where the leading priests the elders and the teachers of religious law had gathered meanwhile peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard there he sat with the guards warming himself by the fire inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. And that is because Jesus um, was pure. He never sinned. Um, 
which makes it more miraculous that um, he, he was the one that had to die for us. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave a false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then they didn't get the story straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Why aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of the power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. And some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him to beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. This next part we'll talk about um, Peter denying Jesus um, and just prove that um, Jesus had the ability to prophesy. Um, and Jesus knew what was coming, um, and he knew the fate of his his own life. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You are one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then, a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, This man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, You must be one of them, because you are Galilean. Peter swore, A curse on me if I am lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And then Peter broke down and wept. Wow. That's when Peter realised. So this next part is about um, Jesus' trial before Pilate. Very early in the morning, the leading priests and elders and the teachers of religion, uh, religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner. Anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release you, this, king of the Jews? Pilate asked, for he realised by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd and demanded the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, 
Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged and lead whipped, uh, and uh, flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him, taunted, Hail the King of Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put him in his own clothes, and then they led him away to be crucified. And now we'll focus on the crucifixion. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside. Just then the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, The King of Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one in his right and one in his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so he can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said. Let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last breath. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died. He exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there, watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and younger of and younger of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem Jerusalem were also there. The burial of Jesus. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, as evening approached Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honoured member of the High Council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body. 
Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth, then took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth and laid it in the tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. So they've crucified Jesus. He's now been wrapped up in cloth and he's been put into the tomb um, with the big rock rolled across the entrance. Um, and yeah, he's, he's dead. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large and very heavy, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were frightened. Then they briefly reported all of this to Peter and his companions. Afterwards, Jesus himself sent them out from the east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and he had seen him, she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterwards, he appeared in different form of two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Still later he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief, because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of the honour at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming that they said, by many miraculous signs. And that is the end of the Gospel of Mark. And I wasn't going to read out um, the whole Bible, as I said last week, but I just felt like um, it was very, very important to get that whole scripture out and that message across because um it just goes to show you know even though we can't see things um, with our own two eyes we're not 
we're taught that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there um, um, and that's what faith is um, if you have faith and you believe in Jesus and you believe he died for our sins um, you will be saved um, however you know there's, there's, there's some some churches that preach that um, you know you will be saved and I'm still trying to figure it all out myself um, as a as a newborn Christian whether you know just believing in Jesus is enough um, I haven't been baptized yet yet I am um, I plan on being baptized um, I just haven't had the the feeling that I'm ready yet um, but I'm, I'm sure I'll know when I am ready um, yeah so but you know I still believe that you should live according to God's word and and try to do the right thing obviously we're always going to fall short and we're always going to be sinners but um, you know the most important thing to do is just study the scriptures um, take in his word and, and believe in him this has been um, the second episode um, the second official episode of of the born again club pod um, and I've enjoyed Mark. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next week, but we will see. Um, I'm going to start trying to get in some guests um, to speak with me. I, I would love to uh, get some pastors and some uh, fellow Christians in and um, chat about the Bible and chat about Jesus and try to get an understanding from other people's perspectives Um just to learn a little bit more than trying to understand it all myself. I think that's important. Um, but until then, everyone, have a blessed week. Any of your issues that you may have in life, lift it up to God. They don't belong to us. Leave them at his feet and let him take care. Put faith in him. Um, let him walk with you. And um, yeah, just have that faith. Keep that faith and just remember that God sent Jesus down to die on that cross for us and for our sins um, and we should give thanks for everything even if we are feeling down um, even if we are feeling like we got some spirit, spiritual warfare um, Satan's trying to get to us we just have to keep being thankful grateful to Lord um, for giving us the opportunity to even have these feelings so life is a miracle and it's a blessing and we should be um, thankful every single day um, stay blessed and I'll talk to you all next week